MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, July 15th, 2022. Today, a Metropolitan Police officer is corroborating Hutchinson's testimony about what happened in the Trump SUV after the ellipse speech. Bannon loses his last battle to delay his trial. The House committee is still discussing seeking interviews with Trump and Pence. We are getting more information about the witness Donald tried to call after the Hutchinson testimony. The Republican attorney general in Indiana says he'll investigate the doctor that provided abortion care to the 10-year-old victim from Ohio. The Mesa County, Colorado recorder Tina Peters has had her bail revoked and a federal grand jury issues a 27-count indictment for the Buffalo shooter. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Long intro, lots of news today, and it all came at the end of the day. So I'm glad I had to wait a little while to record today because I was doing some, you know, pet vet stuff. So, you know, the podcasts send their love. Dana will be back Monday. People were like, she disappeared without a trace. She is on a cruise working, doing her comedy, being funny on a boat somewhere. I don't know, out in the Atlantic, I think. Anyway, she'll be back Monday and I do miss her. But don't worry, I didn't... uh you know, I didn't have her disappeared. Let's just say that. And I'm looking forward to her return. She is my very good friend and I miss her. We have, as evidenced by the long intro, quite a bit of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up, former President Donald Trump tried to call a member of the White House support staff who was talking to the House Select Committee investigating January 6th, according to two sources familiar with the matter. Now, we knew he made a call. We were all trying to guess who it was, and now we have some more details. It's somebody in the White House support staff. The support staffer was not someone who routinely communicated with the former president and was concerned about the contact, according to the sources, and informed their attorney. The call was made after a former Trump White House aide, Cassidy Hutchinson, testified publicly to the committee. The White House staffer was in a position to corroborate part of what Hutchinson had said under oath, according to the sources. Now, CNN reports that it was told the position of the witness Trump tried to call, but not the person's name. Details about the witness Trump tried to contact have not been previously reported. The initial revelation about Trump's phone call was made in dramatic fashion at the end of this week's hearing by committee vice Liz chair or Liz Cheney, (laughs) vice chair Liz Cheney. We'll just call her. Yeah, Liz chair Cheney. She's a Wyoming Republican. We know her. She revealed that Trump, quote, tried to call an unnamed witness in the committee's investigations. He said the witness declined to answer or respond to Trump's call and instead alerted their lawyer. The lawyer alerted the committee and the committee alerted the Department of Justice. Pete Aguilar, a California Democrat who's on the committee, told CNN Tuesday that the individual Trump tried to call has been speaking with the panel. Trump himself had called someone who's been talking with us, he said. A source familiar with the panel's investigation added that the committee has spoken to the person Trump tried to call, but not as part of a deposition. So this is not a person who was deposed, but maybe somebody they were in talks with about a deposition that might happen or has recently happened. Now, the chair of the committee, Benny Thompson, told CNN Wednesday that Trump attempted to call this witness. The fact that it happened was concerning enough to raise it to the Department of Justice. 
From my vantage point, he said, it is highly unusual to do that. And that's why we more or less put that in the hands of the Justice Department for them to make that decision. When asked, that's what he said when he was asked if the act of Trump calling the person was enough evidence to determine whether he was attempting to intimidate a witness. And he said, we are concerned about that witness's safety. So, yeah, it makes sense to report it to the cops, right? (laughs) The United States cops. (laughs) This is not the first time the committee has raised concerns, obviously, about potential witness tampering. Quote, this has been an ongoing pattern, and we're trying to send the message that witness tampering is a crime in the United States of America. People should not be approaching witnesses to try to get them to alter their testimony. That's what Raskin told CNN on Tuesday. Yeah, and Trump's gotten away with it. Those 10 obstruction of justice instances, four of which I think meet all three criteria for criminal obstruction of justice, that case was closed by Barr. And he made a prosecutorial discretion declination decision that Trump didn't obstruct justice anyway. So he got away with it. So no wonder he thinks he can still do it. And late breaking news, this just broke. A Washington, D.C. police officer has corroborated to the House Select Committee details regarding the heated exchange former President Trump had with Secret Service detail when he was told he couldn't go to the U.S. Capitol after his rally. That's according to a source familiar talking to CNN. The officer with the Metropolitan Police Department was in the motorcade with the Secret Service for Trump on January 6th and recounted what was seen to committee investigators. So Hutchinson testified what Ornato told her about what happened with Engel. She wasn't in the motorcade. This Metropolitan Police Department officer was there and saw it and is corroborating details. A spokesperson for the committee declined to comment. A spokesperson for the Metropolitan Police Department did not immediately respond for comment. The description of the angry exchange between Trump and his Secret Service detail was a striking moment during the Hutchinson testimony. She said she heard secondhand, as I said, from Ornato that Trump was so enraged at his Secret Service detail for blocking him from going to the Capitol on the day of the insurrection that he reached up for the front into the vehicle to grab the steering wheel and then used his free hand to lunge toward his agent, Robert Engel. Hutchinson testified that Ornato told her the story in front of Engel and Engel didn't dispute the account. Neither of the agents named in the testimony have commented publicly on Hutchinson's testimony, but soon after, a Secret Service official who would only speak on background said Engel would deny parts of the story regarding Trump grabbing at the steering wheel and lunging toward an agent on his detail. The agency has said the agents involved would testify, but they haven't yet gotten back to the committee to testify. The committee is also engaged with the driver who was in the limousine regarding possible testimony. A lawyer for the driver did not respond to requests for comment. Very, very interesting. And uh, in other committee news, Kinzinger told the Wall Street Journal today that they're considering asking former President Donald Trump to testify and may request a written interview with the former vice president, Mike Pence, or issue a subpoena for him to testify. The committee has long considered interviewing the former vice president as part of its investigation. In April, the committee's chairman, Thompson of Mississippi, told reporters Pence's testimony might not be necessary, given the information they've been able to gather from other sources. Now, Pence's former chief of staff, Mark Short, and his chief legal counsel, Greg Jacob, have both testified before the committee, as we know. Thompson said earlier this week that the committee would consider whether it would seek to interview Trump and Pence in a committee meeting Thursday. Quote, that's part of the discussion that we'll talk about on Thursday. That's what he said on Tuesday after the seventh public hearing when he was asked about it. And the really the only missing piece for Pence is maybe some of what, you know, what he had to do to get the National Guard out when he was in that loading dock. 
And the phone call that he had with Trump, people heard it, but he was on it. And so that's probably what they need. And a Mesa County, Colorado judge on Thursday morning revoked the bond and issued a warrant for arrest of a clerk and recorder, Tina Peters, after she left the state for a right wing sheriff's convention in Las Vegas without leave of the court, without court approval. Peters had been out on a $25,000 cash bond following her indictment in March on 11 counts tied to a security breach of Mesa County election systems. Part of the bond conditions required her to receive court approval in order to leave the state. Her counsel on July 8th filed notice to travel, then filed an amended notice, but never asked to travel on July 12th or 13th. Rubenstein, on July 11th, that's district attorney, filed an objection to the notice for travel from Peter's attorney, Harvey Steinberg, saying, since Peter's lost her primary election is no longer a candidate for office, she should be treated like all other criminal defendants on bond and file a motion asking her bond for her bond terms to be modified. Quote, Miss Peters has less motivation to appear in court now that now that she is no longer a candidate. Additionally, she has evidenced through her travel prior to the election that she has the means to flee if she wants to. The Mesa County District Court judge was waiting on a response from the defense by July 15th, but said Peters could not travel until Rubenstein's motion was resolved. Quote, any response to the attached motion is due on or before July 15th. No travel is authorized until the attached objection is resolved. That's what the court said. David Barrett is the, is the judge. On Wednesday, Rubenstein filed a motion to revoke Peter's bond, citing the speech she made in Las Vegas and a filing she made with the Secretary of State's office on July 12th, which was notarized in Clark County, Nevada. When you're gonna travel and you're not supposed to, maybe don't sign notarized letters out of state. The filing said Rubenstein learned Peters was in Vegas for the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association and that an investigator with the district attorney's office discovered video of her speaking at the conference on July 12th. The Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, according to its website, believes the vertical separation of powers in the Constitution makes it clear that the power of the sheriff even supersedes the power of the president of the United States. <laughs> this particular event was moved up from September to July, according to the organization, due to the urgent nature of the election fraud across America and our nationwide call for election fraud investigations by sheriffs and law enforcement. The person who notarized Peter's letter to the Secretary of State's office also confirmed that the letter was signed in Las Vegas. The Colorado Secretary of State's office said Thursday it formally received the letter that was notarized in Nevada on Thursday morning. In the letter, Peters asks for a recount in the Republican primary for Secretary of State, a race she lost by 14 points last month. Ron Hanks, who also lost the Republican U.S. Senate primary, also wanted a recount. Rubenstein wrote in the motion that Peter's counsel never asked for her to be able to travel over that time period, that the travel request had not been granted, and that Peters was still at the Mesa County Jail with her former elections manager, Sandra Brown, who was arrested earlier this week in relation to Peters's and Belinda Kinsley's cases until 5 p.m. She was there until 5 p.m. on July 11th, after the court had already said she could not travel out of state. Judge Barrett, on Thursday morning, just after 8 a.m., revoked her bond and issued a no-bond warrant for her arrest, pending a hearing before me to address the matters set forth in this motion. On Thursday afternoon, just before 1 p.m., Steinberg filed a motion to quash the arrest warrant and a request for a hearing with the court, primarily arguing that she had not seen the judge's July 11th order by the time she left and that he didn't properly provide the court with notice of her travel to Las Vegas. 
In the motion, Steinberg wrote that Peters emailed him and her other lawyers on July 7th, saying she was going to go to that conference on July 12th. But Steinberg didn't notice she had those plans. It just slipped his mind. He also said in the filing Thursday afternoon he'd spoken with Rubenstein, whom Steinberg said stated that he would not object to quashing the warrant if Ms. Peters appears at a forthwith hearing on her motion to quash. Steinberg wrote that Peters' bondsman would be willing to testify that Peters had not violated her bond conditions and that he knew she was going to Las Vegas. We'll see. There's a content warning here for sexual assault of a minor. Indiana's Republican attorney general said Wednesday that his office plans to investigate the Indiana doctor who helped a 10-year-old rape victim who crossed state lines to have an abortion. Dr. Caitlin Bernard, an obstetrician gynecologist in Indianapolis, has told multiple outlets that she provided care to the 10-year-old after a child abuse doctor in Ohio contacted her. The child was six weeks and three days into the pregnancy. Bernard said, After the Supreme Court overturned Roe last month, a wave of state-level abortion restrictions took effect, including in Ohio, a state that bans abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy, with no exceptions for rape or incest. Abortion in Indiana is banned after 22 weeks, with some exceptions for medical emergencies. I don't know how he's going to prosecute her. Aside from the threats, it's not clear yet whether Indiana will actually prosecute this doctor. But abortion rights activists and legal experts have been warning for weeks of the unprecedented legal risks doctors face in the wake of the fall of Roe. And I think this doctor should sue the fuck out of this attorney general. And a federal grand jury today returned a 27-count indictment charging Peyton Gendron, 19, of Conklin, New York, with 14 violations of the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act and 13 firearm offenses in connection with the mass shooting at the Topps Grocery Store on Jefferson Avenue in Buffalo, New York. The announcement was made by Attorney General Merrick Garland, Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark for the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division, U.S. Attorney Trini E. Ross for the Western District of New York, and Special Agent in Charge Stephen Bologna of the FBI Buffalo Field Office. The indictment alleges that on or about May 14th, The shooter opened fire with a Bushmaster XM rifle and shot multiple individuals in and around the Topps grocery store, which resulted in the deaths of 10 black people, as well as injury to three others. The indictment charges that Gendron violated the Shepard Bird Act by willfully causing the death of victims because of their actual and perceived race and color. In total, the 27-count indictment charges this guy with 10 counts of hate crimes, resulting in death, three counts of hate crimes involving an attempt to kill three or injure individuals, and one hate crimes count alleging that he attempted to kill additional black people in and around the Topps grocery store. It also charges this guy with 13 counts of using, carrying, or discharging a firearm in relation to hate crimes and seeks forfeiture of items, including the weapon used in the shooting. The indictment further includes special findings alleging, among other things, that the shooter committed the offense after substantial planning and premeditation to commit an act of terrorism. And a federal judge on Thursday hands Bannon a final loss. He has denied him the ability to delay his trial for his criminal contempt charges when he when he dodged, ducked, dipped, dived and dodged that January 6th select committee subpoena. Bannon's trial is set to begin Monday. Judge Carl Nichols rejected his motion again, a second motion to delay until mid-October. Quote, we're still going to be at trial on Monday, he said. And finally, here's a story I'm not too comfortable reporting yet because we don't have the full story, but it's out. It's out on CNN now. It's out. Uh, NBC is corroborating a bunch of people corroborating. I want to preface 
this story with the caveat that we don't know all the information yet, but it is an important developing story. The U.S. Secret Service erased text messages from January 5th and 6th, 2021, shortly after they were requested by oversight officials investigating the agency's response to the Capitol riot. And that's according to a letter given to the House Select Committee investigating the insurrection. And this letter has been obtained by CNN. The letter, which was originally sent to the House and Senate Homeland Security Committees by the Department of Homeland Security Inspector General, says the messages were erased from the system as part of a device replacement program after the watchdog asked the agency for records related to its electronic communications. While the letter does not say whether the DHS watchdog believes these text messages were erased intentionally or for nefarious purposes, the incident adds to growing questions about the Secret Service's response to the Capitol attack. Secret Service spokesman says on Twitter, these are absolutely untrue allegations. I responded to him saying, well, when you reply, bring receipts because your reputation is garbage. I will keep you posted when we get the rest of this story. It is true that, you know, there are times when we upgrade our devices in the government and they collect them all and then they give you a new one and then they wipe the old ones. That doesn't wipe out the actual messages, though. I mean, they're on the cloud. However, they, they, they can get wiped. And if this was only for January 5th and 6th and they only did a device swap after they were asked for this information, that's something. That's what I want to know. That's the rest of the story we don't have. And I'm, I'll, I'll let you know when we know. All right, we'll be right back with the good news. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. I used to struggle falling asleep and staying asleep. And I wake up sore and tired, groggy. But those problems were over when I bought my custom mattress from Helix Sleep. Helix has an online two-minute sleep quiz that matches you and your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Everyone is unique, and Helix knows that, so they have several different models to choose from. Soft, medium, firm mattresses. They have mattresses great for cooling you down if you sleep hot, spinal alignment mattresses, and even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size sleepers. I took the test, and my perfect mattress was the Helix Midnight, because I prefer a medium, firm bed, and I am a side sleeper. It is so much better than my last mattress, which was clearly made for someone else. Uh, I absolutely love it. So if you're looking for a mattress, go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take the quiz, order the mattress you're matched to, and the mattress will come right to your doorship for free. There's a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights with no risk. Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans, so a good night's sleep is never far away. And as you know, Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine, and Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners when you go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helixsleep, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. And I want to tell you about Future Hindsight, an award-winning podcast that takes big ideas about civic life and democracy and turns them into doable action items for you and me. It is a midterm year. They'll bring you conversations on this podcast that can truly support your decision-making beyond just the horse races. Join host Mila Atmas every Thursday for in-depth conversations with citizen changemakers about how they're building their civic action toolkits. You'll always learn something new and come away with hope and inspiration to bolster our democracy when you listen to Future Hindsight. So follow Future Hindsight wherever you get your podcasts or tune in at futurehindsight.com. You'll be glad you did. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good 
near. Good, good news, good news. All right. If you have any good news, confessions, corrections, misheard song lyrics, what the mutt, find the cat, any photos, literally any photos, adoptable pets in your area, your small business you want me to give a shout out to and show me some of your stuff that you're making, you can send it all by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Uh, first up, Cheryl in Utah. This is my Zen place looking off my deck at Utah Lake. I love the beans and wish I could listen to you every day of the week. Oh, that's so beautiful. Is that the moon? That's amazing. I wonder if that's the moon last night. Big, fat, orange Capricorn moon last night, by the way. She was really pretty. All right, next up from Pasha. Hi, thank you so much for your show. I love how you weave all the craziness that is our country right now together and make it fun and entertaining. (laughs) Thank you. My good news. I've been fostering neonate kittens for at least two years, for the last two years, and I finally started my very own nonprofit with my friend Nadia. It's called Sugar and Spice Kitten Rescue, and we're based in Honolulu. We are very small, but provide training, supplies, resources for anyone interested in fostering neonate kittens or nursing cat moms. We're trying to share resources on TNR, that's trap, neuter, release, and how to properly care for the most fragile little ones and ultimately find loving forever homes for them. I'm sharing some of our current fosters that are ready for their forever families. Chicken, it's pretty obvious one, which one he is, is the absolute happiest kitten I've ever met. He loves everyone and everything. The tuxedo trio from left to right are Einstein, Bandit, and Sophia, named after Sophia from the Golden Girls because she always looked disappointed. Uh, all are adorable little hurricanes of energy. <gasps> Look at Chimkin. Oh my God. Uh, can I have chicken? Can I have them all? <laughs> How do we get cats from Honolulu to San Diego? How do we do it? Thank you so much for this. Um, these are beautiful. And congratulations, your very own nonprofit. That is that is quite a process to set up. So hats off to you, ladies. Next up from Sandy, pronouns she and her. Dear Allison, yesterday you read a confession from a listener named Jane who misheard the lyrics of Evil Woman to be Medieval Woman. Well, when I first started listening to the Daily Beans podcast, I hadn't read the fine print on the logo. So when I heard the introductory jingle, I thought it said News Miss Mary. I figured you were Miss Mary. It wasn't until I learned your name was Allison that I was motivated to investigate who Miss Mary was. And that's when I realized that it was a case of misheard lyrics and that it's with swearing. (laughs) LOL. Speaking of mishearing, mispronouncing, did you ever go to Marseille? I meant to tell you that you pronounced it like Versailles when it's simply Marseille. See, I did it again because it looks like Versailles. I did study abroad in France, she says, many moons ago, and I'd love to hear what you thought of that vibrant city. Marseille. No, I did not go to Marseille. I have not been to that particular city. But um, France is beautiful. Is it in France? (laughs) Yes, it is. Oh, today. You know, COVID brain mixed with menopause brain equals this. All right, next up from Connie, pronouns she and her. Hi, Beans Queens. I wrote once before, sending in pics of my protest vehicle with stickers all over it. This time, however, I thought I'd send you one of my old swearing terms, which had its birth on the occasion of religious zealots trying to indoctrinate me decades ago. In that brain-numbing moment, the first thing which came to mind due to my undisciplined youth out of my mouth was the phrase, Jesus frog fuck. 
Happily, zealots couldn't leave my side fast enough, (laughs) and I've continued to use this admittedly crude response whenever I find myself confronted with anyone who feels that all of my years of experience, contemplation, and self-reflection should be thoughtlessly thrown out a window in favor of their fanatical dogma. No, I'm not an atheist, but I prefer to keep my beliefs to myself, as I wish with all my heart the rest of the world would do the same. As always, thank you for all you do and keep up the good work, especially in wonderfully optimizing the full range of descriptive profanity. Yes, thank you, Connie. Attached, you will find a picture of what me and my son call our church. It is the Ridgefield Wildlife Refuge here in Washington State. Oh, look at the geese. Oh, that's beautiful. That looks so peaceful. I bet, are there crickets? I feel, I like, I, like I hear them looking at this photo. Or frogs, you know, ribbity frogs. Next up from Carolyn, pronouns she and her, because I so appreciate you all. I offer up this Halloween picture of Amelia Bedelia and her car accident of a father. Mind you, Amelia is now 42 with two kids of her own. Thanks for keeping me sane during these insane times. Oh, look. Car accident of a father. I love it. Look at this. Thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for sending me Halloween photos. Carolyn, I love them so much. Next up from Karen and Eugene, pronouns she and her. Dear AG, you've helped me so much since the very first episodes of Muller She Wrote when I discovered you in the kitchen table days. So I'm responding to your call for good news in these days of desperate judicial stupidity. (laughs) Part of my job as a nurse's aide at the hospital is walking the fine line of responding to patients who are watching Fox News in their rooms. Aside from the professional imperative not to gag and vomit when I hear the whiny grievances coming from the TV, I have to maintain rapport with patients even when they're outraged with the godless socialist takeover of the world. Last night, I walked into a COVID room to care for a middle-aged man. The TV was blessedly off, but he was still upset about the last story he'd watched. I just saw a story on Fox News. They said if you think men shouldn't get pregnant, you're a racist who promotes violence. I didn't want to encourage his victim tone, so instead of my usual response of, I see that's important to you, I said, I would like to see men get pregnant. (laughs) To my delight, he said, I would like to get pregnant. I would do one of those water births. I hear they're easier on the baby. I had a friend who did that, I said. The kid just swims out. I started swimming around the room with my yellow PPE gown and 95 mask and face shield to illustrate a happy water baby. He continued talking about how we birth and nurture his babies and then started telling me about his two grown children. As I finished taking his vitals, I was able to get his agreement that the world would be better if men could have babies. Then I changed the topic to what other things I could get for him before I left and his mind turned to snacks. I left the room before he could change his mind about men having babies. Anytime I can subvert Fox News narrative, I consider it a victory. With an act out, too, a swimming act out. I have to say, Karen, that's pretty impressive. You committed to the bit. That sounds amazing. Uh, She goes, as my pet tax, I'm correcting my omissions of pet tax in previous submissions. Oh, thank you. I'm including as many pictures as I'm allowed to upload. My landlord's pigs, Ethel and Merman. (laughs) Oh, I've got a feeling. Uh, Both have batches of piglets. Tomorrow, my kids are adopting a beautiful German shepherd named Simba. My roommate's bee and butterfly garden is home to a gazillion bees. My phone camera doesn't get close enough to do their little buzzy wonderfulness justice, but I'm including them anyway. Thank you again for everything you do to keep us sane and laughing. You're the best. Thank you for everything you do. Seriously, nurse's aid. It's heavy work, man. 
Look at the piggies. They look so soft. Are they cuddly? I imagine they're cuddly. That is a beautiful German shepherd. And I can't see the bees, but I can imagine that they're there. How amazing. Thank you for these. Thank you, everyone, for all of your submissions and pictures. And and seriously, Pasha, if you want to send me chicken, um, you know, I'll, I'll accept that. Um, that cat looks amazing. <laughs> and uh, everybody, if you have anything you want to send in, um, please do so by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Uh, and thank you to everyone who has donated a year's worth of premium subscriptions. We have some, I think, that uh, still need homes. So if you want one, head there, head to dailybeanspod.com and click on patrons helping patrons and put your name on the list to get one. Uh, and then if you have, if you can, if you have the means to donate one, donate one. Sweet. So this weekend will be the final episode of the Allow Me to Retort by Ellie Mistal MSW Book Club. And it will be with Ellie Mistal. And patrons, if you look in your mailbox and if you look in your junk, because sometimes it goes into the junk, but there will be a link to a form where you can submit your questions for the author, Ellie Mistal. And uh, we will be happy to cover those. And that will be this Sunday. There won't be an episode of Muller She Wrote. I think the next one is July 24th, but uh, we will keep you posted. And uh, of course, Dana will be back Monday with me for the Daily Beans. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. I vote blue over Q. I've been AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.